At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey, hey, Ben. Hey, Matt. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome, welcome Matt. Welcome to you, Ben. <laughs> yeah. And welcome to all of you listener in listener land to welcome the Gravity your, Leadership Podcast. Welcome yourself. Um, I, you know what I want to chat about today? Uh, I do because we just talked about this, but I don't think our <laughs> listeners do. Although they may have a clue because this episode has a title. But please do tell. Yeah, we should title it like uh, Miranda's Blue Shoe She Lost in the Creek. And right. then nobody and then will be know. like, It'll be like a big surprise. Yeah. Nobody will click on it, uh, so nobody will be surprised. But anyway. I want to talk about social media and what it's for, how to use it, and what maybe questions we have, things we're learning. I think mm. I think uh, up, until, up until several years ago, I used, I used Twitter as kind of a news curator. I just mm -hmm. follow people that I want to like hear from and like just scroll it and read news. And then I used Facebook as uh, essentially a birthday reminder. Yeah, it does do uh, a good job on that one. Right. On that front. And also a place to put pictures that then I'd like, I'd like somebody to remind me to look at my pictures once a year. You know? <laughs> on this day, three on years this, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that's kind of how I use them. A little uh, almanac. And now, now, uh, you know, each of each platform, including Instagram and others, are taking on sort of lives of their own. And there's a renewed, mm. there's a renewed kind of like nail ninety five theses to the door slash town uh, telephone pole that you you know tag wanted posters to and need help and selling my couch. And mm -hmm. your, you know, political slash uh, cultural slash theological screed, um, right? And it's it's kind of like a town center, but it's not really. So anyway, I, I just want to. Yeah. I'd love to have a conversation about what what is social media, what's it for, and mm -hmm. how do we discern using it wisely? Yeah, it's a big deal, I think, for pastors, um, because I know, and it's probably different for a lot of pastors. Uh, and for people in general, yeah. But, you know, for example, I know I know one. Uh, I can think of one pastor who's told me that he he writes things on Twitter that he'd never say to his congregation because he happens to know that nobody in his congregation is on Twitter. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's an interesting way to use it. It's sort of like my gang mm. of friends, uh, you know, where we can just chat, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Although he he tends to. Uh, he tends to get into fights uh, on Twitter uh, as well, so that must be something that uh, he enjoys doing. So, are we? Are we? Are you naming names today? Are you going to just out him here? Oh, I, I'm not going to out him. No, <laughs> no. 
it, I just said it was a him though. It's you not did. you, Matt. It's not okay. you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, who knows? Anyway, I'm just, yeah. No, I think it's a great conversation because it, it is a complex, um, it's a complex world because, uh, man, for so many reasons. Yeah. There's so many layers to it. Yeah. So many layers to it. Well, let me, let me just speak a little bit about Facebook. Um, okay. I think I saw a report or a study that Facebook tends to skew towards a more, a more conservative audience politically and tends to skew mm. towards an older audience. Um, and Twitter, Instagram tend to skew more towards a younger audience and tend to skew more towards a, a centric or a liberal audience. I don't know if that's true, hmm. but that's that's what I hear. Yeah. Have you heard that? Yeah, so there's different demographic kind of using these platforms. Uh, I have heard, you know, that Facebook in general, uh, that it does skew older. Uh, I hadn't heard about the conservative thing, uh, but that makes sense. Hmm. One of the things that I have heard about Twitter is that uh, a lot of journalists use Twitter. And so uh, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, that it sort of gets used in a different way or it tends to have a different, um, I don't know, people with different kinds of political uh, outlooks on it. Yeah, and uh, Facebook, I think Twitter does this too, perhaps in a a less, well, I think it's to a lesser degree, but I could be wrong about that. But Facebook has in Facebook exists to make money. Mm-hmm. Facebook doesn't exist to curate conversations or to help you feel good about remembering people's birthdays or to show you your pictures. Like Facebook or to, exists or to connect the world, whatever they may say. Yeah. Right, it's commodified connection, much like the end of Madman. I'm sorry, Mad Men. Uh, he was a madman, but it was about Mad Men uh, that the TV show where Don Draper finds nirvana finds sort of personal peace but then immediately discovers a way to commodify it this is the kind of the modern malady that we take good things mm-hmm. things were created for and then we need and we find a way to commodify them so that so that we are then making money off of a good which then changes the good or at least yeah. influences the good yeah affects yeah. the good yeah. So Facebook exists to make money, which means they show you things like, for, uh, for instance, the other day I was talking on the phone with somebody um, about my, I have a little backyard fire pit called a solo stove. Hmm. And I'm talking to my friend on the phone. He's talking to me about it. Uh, and in real time, Facebook starts showing him ads for solo stoves. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's one it's one example, right? So yeah. like all yeah. these all these voice recognition technologies are listening to us. Yeah. They're 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 tracking how we search for things on Google and other search yeah. engines. Yeah. And then they're taking that data and trying to sell our thoughts back to us in commodities. So that's one way that Facebook exists to make money. Yeah. And I think uh right. And I think there's a there's a one of the mo- most problematic aspects of social media in general as it is now at least the big platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Mm. Those are yeah. probably the big platforms. Uh, one of the main problems is, though, the way they make money. Because you mm. don't pay Facebook. You don't have a $5 a month Facebook fee that comes out of your checking account. Mm. So you're not the customer, which means you're not actually being served. Uh, advertisers are the customer. And so the way they make yeah. money is they serve you ads. And so you're actually the product on, on social media. Ooh. You're the product. The any, any service, I've heard this is kind of a truism, anytime you don't pay for a service, you are the product. If you, wanna, if you want a service that's actually going to serve you, you pay for it. Um, and so I, I've thought about this for a while. I was like, what, what would it look like for a social media platform? And part of the problem with social media is that for it to be valuable, you need to have a ton of people on. You, like your friends need to be there, right? You, right. You and I just can't decide. Hey, we're going to start a free platform, no advertising, and you and I just hang out on this, right? Uh, well, and we socially even, distanced media, right? <laughs> and we couldn't even do that if, if I think in a perfect world, I would pay Facebook to like a five dollar a month, or I don't know what it would be, right? But like I would pay a fee to be part of the network, 
Like that would be a good, cause then I would be the customer and I could say, Hey, this, this isn't a good aspect. And Facebook would be like, Oh, well, you're giving us money. So mm. we'll listen to you. But, um, the problem with that is that there's now a higher bar to overcome to actually become part of the network. So yeah. part of the, and this is a little bit nerdy, but like, this is the network effect kind of problem is you need a bunch of people for the network to be valuable. And the best way to get a bunch of people on the network is to make it free and to tell everybody, Hey, your friends are here. Yeah. And so anyway, so that's, uh, that is one problematic aspect of, of social media. It sort of purports to be a public square and it is in a sense, a, a, a lot of people hang out there, mm -hmm. but it is, uh, not a public square in that it is not paid for by taxpayer money to be a public common good. It is a private company that is making money off of advertising to the people who are there in the, in the public square. Yes. And it's not a public square either because so much of the content of what we see is so individualized curated. and niched down. It's yep. curated to basically uh, foster engagement. So everybody on social media, like Facebook's AI is trying to get you to stay on Facebook. Yep. And so it doesn't care. It just knows what gets you to stay on Facebook and it shows you that stuff. And yes. so the other the other aspect of this that makes this weird that I don't think most people understand or a lot of people don't understand is that yeah. what I'm seeing on Facebook is not what everybody else is seeing on Facebook. Yeah. It's only what I'm seeing yes. and what people like me see. Yep. And so it tends to give you this vision of the world as it is out there, but it's not, it's just Facebook's world that it's giving to you because it wants you to see it because it knows this keeps you on Facebook. Yes. So those are problematic aspects that I think if you're any responsible use of social media, to me, seems that like you have to have that in your mind. You have to know going into it, this is n this is not what it claims to be. I yeah. need to understand what I'm looking at and how I'm using this platform. Yeah, right. it's really right. important. Right, 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 right. So whatever we think it is, what it actually is, is a product meant for advertisers to make money off of us. Yes. And... Everything that's happening there is intending to increase profits as yeah. much as possible without losing that which make the profits possible, you and I. Right. So they know that, they know, for instance, when the internet, internet first started, remember Net Zero? Remember that company that um, mm, was yeah, like... What did they do? Remember they they were like, they had these trying commercials. Trying to get free internet? Yeah, they had these yeah, commercials yeah. in court where it's like the internet must stay free and i think it galvanized a lot of xers who were like uh well it galvanized a lot of people i i had net zero for a long time but what the cost of that freedom mm -hmm. was you had a like a banner a net zero banner that yeah. took up a third of your web browser page and it was full it was of advertising like, advertisements yeah. like billboards right yeah. that's yeah that's not there's a cost to everything that's not free Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I would say like that's twenty that's probably what twenty years ago that was happening. Jeez. And now yeah, and probably. now what's happening is advertising has gotten more sophisticated so right. as not to offend us. But mm. but in that sophistication, we actually I don't think we we're not free of it like we think we are. No, no. Right. And they're and they've and they've been experimenting more and more with uh, being more and more bold. I remember hearing stories about when Facebook's first started thinking about putting ads in. And they were basically playing with how much advertising will people tolerate? And mm. it was way more than they thought. <laughs> oh They're just like, as I scroll through, it's like, oh, this is a sponsored post, but it looks almost exactly the same as a regular post. Mm. You have to like, you have to know that it's being sponsored. Amazon is starting to do the same thing. Like you do an Amazon search and like sometimes the first three products it shows me are sponsored products. Hmm. I was like, this is, uh, anyway, anyway. Yes. So th th it, yeah, you have to understand. I mean, we could talk about that and the ethics of that. And <laughs> are these monopolies? Yes, probably. Um, but that's, you know, for government officials and antitrust lawyers to figure out. Um, for us, for our purposes, it's just helpful to know what we're dealing with. When yeah. I post on Facebook, this is what I'm doing. I'm giving content to this machine. <sighs> yeah. That does this with my content. I feel, yeah, I feel now that you talk, now that we have to talk about this, it feels a little dirty. <laughs> it is dirty, man. It uh, is, like, I'm not saying that we should, you know, rid ourselves of it. I, I think it's part of living in the world. I mean, it's, you know, this shirt I'm wearing, 
I don't know where it was made. It's dirty. Probably Indonesia. It's dirty. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I did not clean it. I did not. <laughs> no, it's it's like participating in the capitalist economy is dirty. Like I'm wearing clothes that probably were made overseas, probably by people who are not enjoying, you know, uh, their lives very very much. You know, yeah. probably I don't. Uh, and part of it is I don't know. So it's like so anyway. Yeah. So it is. It is. It is dirty. Yeah. Uh, and some people just choose not to opt into social media. And that's Im- probably important to say. That's an option. Like, you don't need to be on these platforms to be a human. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, but how, how can I be happy about my life unless people are liking my pictures? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, when you say you don't have to, uh, what I hear is... Wait a second. You don't want me to be happy. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. So we choose to opt into these yeah. uh, capitalistic... Uh, machines, these yeah. consumptive machines, and and we tell ourselves we're doing some necessary or good or enjoyable work there, right? Yeah. Um. And yeah. And we may be. I mean, that's that's part of the complexity, right? I don't know. Our, I mean, how do we discern? Yeah. How do we? So part of this is how do you discern? Um, are you able to participate in something that treats you? like a consumable good mm. and commodifies your relationships. Are you able to use that without being spiritually harmed by it? <laughs> yeah, that's the question, man. So we, we might talk ourselves out of social media by the end of this podcast. <laughs> you, you can find us online at not any of these social media <laughs> accounts. <laughs> anyway. uh, ben, Ben's Facebook was actually hacked a, f- a few months yeah. ago by an Islamic terrorist organization. Yeah. Uh, or it's, some uh, it's probably just a somebody trying to steal credit card numbers, uh, and then well, they, they know posted, how to get. They posted like a jihadist picture, so they, they, I don't know if did. it was. Yeah, I think they probably posted it because they knew that would get it immediately taken down. I see, and I would lose access to my account, but they would still have all the information because they scraped it, and they did actually. They they uh, they used uh, our ad account to steal seven thousand dollars <laughs> from our yes. business. Yeah, I mean, we got we got it back, so everything's fine. But um. But yeah, it was it was this crazy, yeah, it was crazy. I lost access to my account within three minutes. They had like done all of this within three minutes, and I was actually on Facebook when it happened. So I, like I had a, I had every opportunity to to try to get out. They they were like, "Hey, did you just log in from Vietnam?" It's <laughs> like, "Nope, <laughs> I never been to Vietnam." Mm. Anyway, and so I didn't have, and it was remarkably difficult. It's impossible to get your account back. I, right. I, I lost it. I lost access to it forever because I had violated the terms of service. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting. So to speak. Yeah. Too bad you weren't a white supremacist. Um, because <laughs> right. then you'd still, then you'd still right, be right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it depends on uh, what color terrorist you are. So, anyway. so there's an entire conversation to bracket out here uh, of the cost, our participation in, social, economic, and cultural structures Mm. that commodify relationships Mm -hmm. based upon a product, goods, services, capitalistic mentality. Mm -hmm. I don't think most white conservative slash evangelical Christians, I don't think we are ready to have a conversation about the spiritual cost of capitalism. No, it no, we're not. Nope. No. That, nope. That is, there's so many threads to untangle there before people would realize what we're even talking about. There's so much individualism. Well, first know. of all, I don't know yeah. how to talk about it. I, I actually don't know how to talk about it. I just have a deep suspicion mm-hmm. that it it is costing us. Secondly, oh, yeah. we've made such bugaboo boogeymen out of any of the alternative economies. Right? right, whether right. it's socialism or, or communism or anarchy, yeah. like you can't name another economic system where uh, an American would go, "Oh, that sounds good." Yeah, I mean, you know right. what I mean. We have such right. de- reflexively defensive kind of, yeah, remarks and comments about it. Yeah. Anyway, I want to bracket that out because okay. I think I think I could get myself into some rants that would get me in trouble, and I try to only do that on Facebook. So, <laughs> speaking of social media. <laughs> No, so so bracketing out that conversation, which we need yes. to, ha- I think we need, yeah. need to have it's it. It's important, right? <clears throat> um, 
we we do we do participate in social media. We have we have a Facebook account, personal Facebook accounts. Uh huh. Not only Gravity, uh, and our church, the table. Yeah. But also personal accounts. Personal accounts. I uh, I I created a new one, by the way. So I'm on Facebook again after I, for a while for about three months. I thought uh, maybe I, maybe maybe I don't need this, um, but I decided to come back. Yep. So anyway. Yeah. So we're back. You're back. I'm back. You're back. <laughs> sharing, sharing cat memes and gifts, right? Uh huh. That's, that's, that's what you do. Basically, what I do. <laughs> no. So, uh, so let me just. I, I've I've decided in the last several years to change maybe how I use Facebook. Hmm. Um, like I said, I used to use it for birthdays and pictures and make some jokes. Do some like friend polls. Hey, name the top five movies you've seen in your life, or you know what book you're reading right now. Those kinds of questions. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I've, I've pivoted to sort of trying to start conversations, mm-hmm. or advocate for justice that I that I think is culturally or theologically important. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm not sure. I don't not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, think, I still don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I think there's some people that you know they have the pre the the policy use. They actually create a policy where it's like as a as a leader as a pastor, I'm not going to post these kinds of things. I'm just going to post on Facebook. Is you know, like you said before, pretty benign mm-hmm. friends connecting with friends kinds of things. Um, you've decided to shift that to say, hey, this is a, a platform. It's almost like using Facebook, like this is a publishing platform for me to uh, speak yeah. about things that I feel are important uh, to, to me, to my faith, yeah. to our cultural moment. Um, so in, in some ways, kind of uh, like a pulpit, in a sense. Not just a, like, hey, what do, you, you know, what do you think about this? But like, hey, these are ideas that are really helpful and important. These are things that I think we need to think about, talk about. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean, like not not in a negative. I don't mean pulpit in a negative way. Like, but you know what I mean. Like it's a it's a platform to pronounce things. Yeah, rather and I would, than yeah. I I think I see my Facebook wall differently than a pulpit. So a pulpit okay. is a pulpit for me functions in the in the context of a liturgy where there's a, a beginning and an end to it, and there's a embodied people that we know. We have history with. We've been on okay. a journey. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. the audience, okay. and there's some there's some agreed upon experience or shared common knowledge of what what's going to be happening here. So we've okay. just heard we just heard we just read from the Book of Job, and now we're going to hear a message about that. Okay. Um, yes. And, and for in my, in my mind, then like the pulpit is a call and response. So there's we're declaring good news, and then people are going to say yes to it within the rest of the liturgy, whether that's singing mm-hmm. or Eucharist or uh, praying or giving or, um, yes. you know, whatever. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm totally with you, by the way. Um, yeah. I think I was thinking pulpit uh, in more of the generalized kind of sense of like, uh, so maybe maybe a better metaphor is like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what a better metaphor is. But basically, well, like, that, that's a shift, right? To, from saying, what's your favorite movie? To mm-hmm. here's uh, ten do's and don'ts for white Christians dealing with the racism conversation. Uh, yeah, hypothetically speaking. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you were going to create a, <laughs> that was in the that was in the links recently, by the way. Yeah, right. I found that very helpful. Okay, good. As a white Christian. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. So I've got, I've got all these lives I've lived. Mm. I was a, uh, I I went to a Catholic high school. 
in a very white part of Indianapolis. I've got a lot of Facebook friends from a Catholic high school in a white part of Indianapolis. I, I did community and professional theater hmm. with a very diverse, like uh, diverse sexualities, diverse ethnicities, diverse socioeconomic backgrounds. I have a ton of Facebook friends from that part of my life. Uh, I spent a lot of time in uh, conservative evangelical Christian circles as a mm. student, as a pastor. I have a lot of friends from that. I got a lot of friends from college, which was a fairly diverse liberal arts school. You yeah. know, so I've yeah. got a, I've got probably a half dozen to a dozen yeah. sort of relational arenas that all come together on my Facebook wall. And I'm beginning to realize and name how much I enjoy watching people who have different worldviews talk to each other. Hmm. Um, because it's, it's fascinating to me. I, I sometimes talk about it with you, Ben, as like the space in between, you know, mm -hmm. how you can have two really intelligent people who have yeah. good intentions, yeah. but they disagree so fundamentally over something like systemic racism. Yeah. Or why are poor people poor? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And they're all looking at the same data. Yeah. Sometimes. And they're all looking at the same problem. Yeah. But they the stories they use to make sense of it are so different that yeah. they come to opposing app oppositional even. Mm -hmm. understandings of of the reality and of how to solve it. Yeah. And I think I think because what I I I'm just energized by how to understand that space in between the misunderstanding and learn to build bridges between them. Mm. And so Facebook is like this little uh it's like a uh remember remember those little ovens they sold to kids where they would bake things? Yeah, easy bake. They? Easy bake oven. Easy bake oven. We have one. <laughs> Ella, Ella, my daughter Ella loved that thing. Do you still have it? Uh, I don't know. We may have gotten rid of it. You've been dragging that all across the country? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, but maybe. Yeah, maybe so the, we have. Easy bake oven is like was like the way you let little kids start experimenting with cooking. Right. You know? Yeah. Um and I I see my Facebook wall as a place to like run theological, cultural, sociological experiments. And and not not as like a mad scientist. I'm not trying yeah. to use people. I mean, people willingly, no one's coerced or paid to comment on my wall, right? So they can opt in or opt out as whatever they want. But it, it gives me a chance. It gives us a chance to gather people together who would never gather in the same space <laughs> to have any kind of, any kind of thought dialogue about these topics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, we can see how they think differently and speak differently about different things. And that truly fascinates me. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I guess I'm willing to be used by Facebook <laughs> in order to right. in, enjoy that yeah. experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that I think is, I mean, that, you know, getting back to that, you know, is this tainted because we're participating in this sort of machine. Mm. Like, I think that gets back to it of just, uh, there is a, there is a conversation I think about relative good mm. uh, that needs to be had. You know, some people will say, some people are just purist idealists. They're just not on Facebook. They, right. You know, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not besmirching that. That might be a really wise choice for you. Um, uh, other people are, uh, you know, blithely unaware of what's going on there. And they just sort of, uh, anyway, so, but I think, I think what you're trying to do, I think the more circumspect you are about what Facebook is and what it's doing and what it's showing you, what people see and don't see and all of that kind of thing. I think it's, it's, I think the more able we are to enter into it, uh, with some circumspection, understanding what's happening and I think create some good. Cause I, I've had, I have seen you know, sometimes one of the truisms that gets thrown around, or maybe it's a trope, I don't know what, uh, what the right word is for it. One of the things that gets thrown around is like, nobody's mind has ever been changed by a Facebook post. Um, but actually, I've heard several people say, you know what, as I like several Facebook posts mm -hmm. have made me think a new thought. 
I never really thought about that before. Uh, yeah, I, so this has been, I actually don't post to try to change minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I post to try to provoke questions mm-hmm. and have people be confronted with their assumptions. Yeah. Or I post to, so that's one, that's one thing. The other thing I've started to do is to post for people who tell me they appreciate hearing from me. Mm-hmm. So I have black brothers and sisters. I have non-Christian friends, black, white, um, brown, Latino, Latina. I have non-Christian friends and I have white Christian friends mm-hmm. and black Christian friends. I have all who tell me all the time, um, I don't hear other people saying these things that you're saying and I really appreciate it. I have, yeah. I have, a, I have somebody in my life who is about as pagan as they become. Mm-hmm. And she just yesterday uh, shared on her wall a quote and attributed it to me mm-hmm. and then realized, <laughs> then realized it wasn't me. It was somebody else in her life. And oh. so like I had to comment and say, hey, I didn't say this. And then the person who did say this is like, I think I said this. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, I, I read it quickly, Matt. I just assumed it was you. I want all my friends to know that I am down for your kind for the gospel you're preaching every day on Facebook. Hmm. And so like um I like it's also then a third thing for me I, I'm able to reach out and touch people who would never come to a church, never download a sermon. Yeah. Right? Who even if you I don't live their, near Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. this this uh, p- particular person lives in Europe. Mhm. Um and and I'm able to say, listen, uh, white Christian people from Orthodox traditions, not it's not just like people who kind of maintain a Christian name, but kind of fill it with whatever, maybe whatever ideology right, or philosophy right. they want. Yeah. But people from like confessional traditions or, or Orthodox traditions care about this stuff. Yeah. And I don't know how else to communicate to those people except mm-hmm. go where they are and try to name that to them. Yeah. So yeah. those are the three. I guess those are the three reasons I, I, or three purposes I use social media for. Mm-hmm. To re- recap them. Oh ben. boy, what are they? Oh boy, Ben. Uh, the first I wasn't is, aware that we were counting. So the first ahead. is to run experience. It's like my easy bake oven for like getting okay. people together and seeing how they disagree and why they disagree. The okay. second, the second, is to encourage people. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I've been trying to be more outspoken about race. Trying to be more outspoken about being an anti-racist. Um, and the vast majority of uh, BIPOC people who have communicated with me about what I'm posting has been positive and thankful and affirming. If people don't know what BIPOC is, what does that stand Black, for? Black, indigenous, people, people of, color. of color. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's sort of like um, we've heard from Black brothers and sisters that to refer to them as persons of color sort of erases their color. Uh, we're lumping them in in a way that kind of erases them. And so uh, BIPOC is actually a fairly, my understanding of it, it's a fairly new anacronym that seeks to honor the diversity of p- people of color by naming more of them, right? Okay. Yep. All right. Um, of course, by the time this recording comes out, it may no longer be acceptable. So just uh, keep your keep your head up. These are, these are uh, <laughs> shifting sands yes. sometimes. Yes. I, you know, I, I don't want to cause offense, but uh, yeah. I, just, I will because I can't. It's just part of learning. Yeah. Um, so the second thing is that. And then the third thing is like de- uh, communicating to non-Christians mm-hmm. that I see what makes you angry or sad or hurt. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, I care about it too. Yeah. Now, there there is difficult. Like um, most people are, re- are just waiting for and over cr- Christians, in particular white Christians, preaching at them. Yes. And so I try, I try not to get preachy, meaning I try not to become sort of, uh, like slap a Bible verse on everything I say. Mm -hmm. I I know the people that I'm trying to reach just tune that out. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I have tons of non-Christians who tell, who tell me all the time. I think, I think there's some degree of success. Like I'm having some degree of getting feedback of, okay, this is helpful. I am reaching these people, mm-hmm. uh, but that comes at a cost too. And maybe we could talk yes. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. 
And I think that's important to, that, that's part of the calculus, right? It, is there, there are real people represented by these posts. Like we're, we're interacting through this medium and the medium taints what, how we're interacting, right? So that's just, you know, part of it. Mm. But by the same token, relatively speaking, there is some good happening in that these people tell you not just publicly, uh, but they tell you, you know, through private message, which incidentally, like, uh, like messaging is social media like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah, that's yeah. just to remember that like group messaging is social media and you and I participate in all kinds of groups yep. where I, I don't post it publicly where anybody can find it on Facebook or even all of my friends on Facebook. I just post it for this group of people or that group of people um, because we have a shared sort of expectation, a shared experience of some kind, uh, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which which, by the way, is one of the things I read this book last year called How to Do Nothing. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's an awesome book. It's really, really good. Uh, but she, she talks, uh, Jenny O'Dell, I think is the author's name. And she talks a little bit about one of the, one of the things about social media that, is, that has created kind of the, the, the new situation, kind of the, all the antagonisms that social media is kind of known for. One of the situations uh, that's new about it is j- exactly what you said, Matt, that mm-hmm. people, people were uh, like when we, when we didn't have like social media, if I'm gathering with a group of pastors, like I share certain kinds of things that I don't share when I'm gathering with my kids yeah. or when I'm gathering with my uh, church or with my friends from high school, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Um, but Facebook is sort of like thrown all of these like friend groups where we would normally sort of present certain things and not other things. And it's sort of thrown it all together, um, in, in a way that actually makes things fairly messy. Hmm. Um, and so anyway, I, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that because sometimes people are like, well, shouldn't you just be your authentic self in every environment? And this uh, person in the in the book was making the argument that actually no that like this is not actually what it means to be human. It, like mm-hmm. what it means to be human is to, <laughs> in essence, read the room. You know, like what's helpful here, what's mm-hmm. helpful here, what's helpful mm-hmm. here. And so Facebook, social media in general, when it's like here's the I'm gonna I'm not broadcasting I'm broadcasting this right. Mm-hmm. What that does is it flattens out those social groups. Um, mm. and so you end up, you end up sharing something in a way that is meant to be shared with all social groups, but it actually, like we never do that. We, yeah. We're always, we're always calibrating how we share things based on who's in the room. When you're, when you're broadcasting something publicly, yeah. uh, it just, it just makes that more complex. So yeah. anyway, so that, that's one of the things, but, uh, it sounds like if you know, that's what's happening one of the purposes for you is to say, I'd like actually to bring these people together to talk about this. Like who wants to talk about this and people mm-hmm. can opt in hmm. or opt out. Like you said, like you said, there's no coercion. Um, no. And it made me think of a joke uh, that uh, I think Ricky, Gerv- Ricky Gervais may have said this. I think it was Ricky Gervais. I can't remember who it was exactly. But anyway, he said, he said, when, when, when someone gets offended by something I say on the internet, he goes, that's just so weird to me. He's like, why, why can't you just let it go? He says, that's like walking into a coffee shop and you see like an advertisement on the pin board for mm-hmm. guitar lessons. And you're like, I don't want guitar lessons. <laughs> <laughs> and you get offended because guitar lessons are being offered and you don't want them. Yeah. And then you take the number and you call the person and you're like, Hey, are you offering guitar lessons? And then you get mad at them because you're like, I don't want guitar lessons. So anyway, he's like, it's fine. It's not for you. Just leave yeah. it alone. Just walk yeah. past it. So anyway, yeah. I think there's something to be said there too, where and I don't know what that is. Like, I wonder if people like they read it on Facebook and they think this person like is talking to me personally, like they, yeah. they meant this for me and like I'm offended because I don't want guitar lessons. And they're like, they comment, you know, like, I don't like guitar lessons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or I already know how to play the guitar. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. It's not for you. So move along. So I mentioned those three uses of social media, Ben, I, I want to mm. mention a, something, a fourth thing that's been happening. That's been, <clears throat> that's been really surprising and an encouraging mm-hmm. thing to me is that, um, 
I've gotten about a dozen direct messages from people, and this is this is basically the outline of the direct message. Hey, I've been following your stuff on social media, and I got to tell you, it really bothers me. But I want you to know that I've been learning a lot mm. from people interacting on your wall in that I'm beginning to see some things I hadn't before. And what you say still, or the questions you ask still make me really mad and I get triggered. I'm I'm learning and it's hard. And I just mm. wanted you to know this and I just really appreciate it. Hmm. Like, and some people said that like outright on my wall, but I hear, hear a lot of that in my DMs. And that's completely shocking to me. Mm. I've told people before, I don't think social media changes minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if it can, if it's not trying to. <laughs> like that's right. my that's my outline. <laughs> right. I'm not I'm really I'm, not I'm not trying to change minds. Yeah. I'm trying to do those other three things. Mm-hmm. Um and in and the I process, wonder, some people's maybe, minds are being changed. Yeah. Like I wonder if the, the first thing, like the easy bake oven kind of like, let's get let's get a neoconservative uh political theological person on my wall along with a progressive liberal um whatever communist um whatever mm-hmm. and let's let's have them look at the same thing with different lenses and let's see what each of them can own as a blind spot mm-hmm. from the other and yeah. then let's see if there's any growth or change just from them interacting yeah I, like i i do wonder if that's one of the byproducts of this mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah so that's so that's that's a that's a question i have but it's also been a an unintended consequence, and I think it's been a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but can yeah. I share a few? Can I share a few like uh, costs or pitfalls to this? Yeah, I think that's important too for us to be sober minded. Yep, sober minded <laughs> and fully awake. Fully awake about social media. All right. Yeah. What comes put, to mind? Put down the rose and listen up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what comes to mind is uh, time. Uh huh. Social media takes a lot of time. Yeah, um, it's, and, it's and right part of that is it's meant to. You're seeing things on there that Facebook is like. I know this takes up your time. Right, it attracts you. I know you want to click on this. They yeah. want they want my time, and I'm all too happy to just give it to them. Take all my money. <laughs> uh, it's like the it's like the prosperity preacher of social media. I'm just handing them my credit card. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there there's a time cost. There's an energy and relational cost. So I tend, if I spend a lot of time on social media, I tend not to be as present to my wife, my kids, my family, my, my actual real life friends that are here and there, my neighborhood. Right. Uh, Because I'm, I'm in my head. This is one of my antipathies is I'm working out four, five, six conversations in my head at any given time, but I'm actually not listening to the conversation I'm having with my eight year old. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I, I want to say, too, for pastors especially, like I, I've had to be careful about this as well, to realize like the controversy on Twitter today or the four of them that happened this week, like part of this is influenced by the 24-7 news cycle. Like yeah. news companies make a ton of money when, you know, the president says something crazy. So even though the news companies are like, this is crazy and insane, they actually make tons of money when crazy, insane things happen. And so they're incentivized to keep sort of amplifying crazy, insane things. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this isn't just social media. This is like, this is the way news is funded as well. And so there's this, it's complicated. Mm. But anyway, I, I can, if I'm not careful, I can assume that, I can assume that my church needs to hear the same thing that like, I think people on Twitter need to hear. Yeah. And they're very, like, there's hardly anybody from our church on Twitter like they're they're probably most of them are on Facebook, but like what people are sort of hearing out there, um, is not like the the four controversies that happened this week on Twitter. Like nobody in my church has thought about that at nope. all, no, nope. at all. And so I I resonate with that one. I think that's a cost that I have to be careful of to say I need to stay in touch with the actual people in my life and the people in my church. Uh, otherwise, I'm not going to know how to lead them and how to talk to them. Yes. I'm going to assume they need what. I think people on Twitter need or whatever. So yeah, so that's the other cost is that you tend to get so translocal and get caught up in scandals that 
uh, aren't a read on your actual neighborhood. Right. Not isn't isn't really what you're dealing with. Yeah. Like on the ground with the people you're living with. Yeah. And then the other side of that coin is, um, my my reality as a white, relatively affluent man mm-hmm. can be so insulated. Yeah. That if I don't curate news somehow from outside my neighborhood, outside my church world, mm-hmm. I, I just won't have any idea about child sex trafficking. None. Mm-hmm. I just won't have any idea about police brutality. Yeah. None. I see yeah. the Fishers Indiana police and I'm like, oh, hey, guys. Glad you're around. Hey, hey George. Look, hey, look Bill. At these, look at these fellas. <laughs> look how safe everybody feels now that they're around. Hey, guys. Look, at, look how smiley they are. Yeah. How clean yeah. and uh, well kept they are. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. so there is a sense in which I don't know how to walk. I think this is a, a a way of wisdom and of communal discernment. Yeah. But you can either get so enwrapped in what's happening in downtown Philadelphia that you miss what's happening in downtown Fishers, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you can become some become so insulated in Fishers that you have no idea. Like, for instance how some of the insulation you experience in Fishers is a directly related to the, to the cost other people are feeling elsewhere. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's directly related to like you, the, the fact that I don't have to think about downtown Philadelphia mm-hmm. is, you know, is part of what needs to be dismantled. And so there yeah. is a necessity to kind of look outside uh, of our immediate locality but like you said, uh, that's a that's a tension that we have to live in because it is it's very easy to get sucked into, you know. Here's a thread of 574 videos of police brutality, and it's like, yes. oh my gosh, I like, you know, I can be convinced there's a problem without watching 574 videos. Yes, you know, and so and so I think there's a self care thing here as well that I've found that I <clears throat> and and social media companies have picked this up. Like they've, they've actually done these studies where they're, they're actually hijacking part of our brain that's attracted to mm. outrage that we're attracted to like being, oh, you know, scandalized, like scandalized, upset. outraged, upset. We're attracted to it. And they're actually intentionally hooking us through this. Oh. Um, where, and I, I found that when the pandemic first hit, I was on, and this is a different, kind of thing. When the pandemic first hit, I was on social media way too much. Yeah. Because I was like, I was, my brain was like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. Like, what do we know? And my brain was looking for some sort of certainty to find out like what, what's, what's going to be happening. So I had to just like, you know, put the phone down. Like it it is like, we're not getting the information. Like I can check the news once a day Yeah, and I will have, that'll be plenty. It's plenty. Um, with the with the, uh, the protests and the new focus and the r- realization for a lot of people of racism and systemic racism, that kind of thing, it's different. The temptation is different because I think the temptation is not for more information like it was with the pandemic, but it's for, um, hmm. I don't know, there's like confirmation bias or something, something that where you're like outraged about what you're seeing. Yep. And... I think you can get sucked into sort of just feeling outraged and then yep. outrage posting and sort of almost like absolving yourself to be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I yep. said the right thing on Twitter. Yep. I said the right thing on social media. You know, I did it. I did my work. I'm not a racist, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, this, so there's a yeah. danger there. Yeah. Yeah. This is the tricky part, right? How, how do I know? Like this, these are the questions I ask. What mm-hmm. what is what is helpful, yeah, and good for me, and virtuous for others, and what is me uh, trying to assuage my guilt mm-hmm. through virtue signaling yeah. and being affirmed for that virtue signaling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think I think that's a real temptation, and I I think I've done it. I just what I'm. Uh, and I've asked this on social media, ironically enough. Uh, like, how do you, is virtue signaling real and how do you know it when it is? And right. the preponderance of people were like, well, y- virtue signaling, you know virtue signaling when you see it. And I, and I, I didn't say this, but I wanted to say <laughs> uh, there's something called personalization and projection. Yes. <laughs> 
And I don't trust, and yeah. per, uh, personalization means taking things personally, like Ricky Gervais's joke. Yeah, that's yeah. taking things personally. Yeah. And projection is when your problem yeah. that you have, you, you, you want to tell somebody else. else about. Yeah. And here's the thing about personalization and projection. Uh, and you, you typically are the last person to understand when you're personalizing something and when you're projecting something. Like yeah. other people can see that before you, you yeah. can. Yes. And so I don't trust the fact that if I read something and it seems like virtue signaling to me, that I haven't just taken it personally or projected my own virtue signaling onto that person. Yes, totally. I don't trust that. Yeah. So I think I think virtue signaling, uh, first of all, it's an issue, right? Yeah, it's real. But let me just say this categorically. George Floyd being murdered in the street is a bigger problem than virtue signaling about George Floyd. Yeah. Like, I don't get, I might, I might get a little hot and bothered here. Maybe I should take this to Facebook instead. <laughs> I don't get, I don't get the Taking amount the of machine. energy that is poured out on the virtue signaling about George Floyd. Yep. That isn't poured out about what actually is happening to people like George Floyd. Yeah. Whatever, whatever problem virtue signaling is, mm -hmm. it pales in comparison to 400 plus years of black bodies yeah being treated as a commodity yep or worse as expendable to yes. put it in uh Coates's words yeah <clears throat> right totally totally can we agree yeah. with that yo i can agree with that <sighs> I, I hope i hope we all can listeners uh <sighs> if you have a if you have a disagreement about that yeah um, I don't, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what to say. I just but, would tag, but I, I, tag Ben Sturkey and put something on Facebook. <laughs> no, uh, no, that that's really important. I think because you're you're right. Virtue signaling is a problem, and there's there's also been. I mean, people have sort of uh, a little bit skeptically looked at. Like, it's interesting. Like, people got fired for saying Black Lives Matter four years ago, right? Fired from yes. their posts at universities and, yes. and churches and all that kind of stuff. And now it feels like everybody's tripping over themselves to say Black Lives Matter, right? So there's like this groundswell of support for it. Um, and so I, I think there is probably some percentage of those people who are just seeing the political tide and going, oh, this would be good. Now I, now I can say this and I can sort of ride this wave mm. and I don't have to pay the cost that I would have had to pay four years ago. So yes, probably some people are skeptically and virtue signaling to try to like be on the right team as this mm -hmm. all plays out. Probably mm -hmm. some people are doing that. Number one, I think you're the only person who can decide if you're virtue signaling. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, an, that's a motivation thing and you have to examine your own heart. You can't, I don't, I think you're wise, Matt, to say like, I don't trust that I can see somebody else's virtue signaling. I can only trust that I'm, capable of this and I need to be careful hmm. about it. Right. So number one, uh, I think you, you're the only one who can really determine that. Um, hmm. I mean, you know, you can be confronted with it and you, but ultimately are you virtual signaling? You're the only one who knows because you know why you posted that, you know why you're doing this. Yeah. Um, but sometimes we don't, have, right? I, I know, I know, I know. Like, I know what you're saying. Like sometimes we hide, we hide our motivations from ourselves. We tell I ourselves know. stories about why we're doing things. I know. But there, what I'm saying is like, if you don't have the self-awareness to be aware of it, like then I guess you don't have it. But ultimately you're the only one who can take care of that for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but I was going to say a second thing. Oh, the second thing is this. Like I, I keep thinking as people like kind of jump on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon and maybe some of them are virtue signaling. Um, I keep thinking about Paul in prison. I, I think he's writing to the Philippians. I can't mm. remember wh which book this is, but he's he's talking about how some people are preaching Christ for bad motives, right? right they're like, right. oh, they, they're glad I'm in prison because they're like, oh, I'm going to preach Christ now. And he's like, uh, but he, he kind of does this shrug in the text. I can't remember the exact text, but he basically just says, but, but what does it matter? Like either way, for false motives are true, Christ is being preached. And so mm. I'm, I'm grateful for it. Yes. You know? Um, and I find myself thinking the same thing. I think about the groundswell of support for, you know, Black Lives Matter. There's a long ways to go, obviously, and um, a lot of systemic changes that need to take place. But, <clears throat> you know, I, I have been encouraged that this does feel different than anything else in my lifetime in terms of the 
the amount of support publicly that people are giving to it, mm. which is encouraging, even if some of it's cynical. Yeah. At least this is the bandwagon, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know if we've answered many questions about social media. I, I think that we've begun to sort of unpack a bit of the complexities of it and how yeah. I think it's a, it's a cultural phenomenon that takes wisdom and discernment. And I just want to say, yeah. I don't, I don't, I walk with conviction on social media, but not certainty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't it's know just, if, I don't know if yeah. what I'm doing is the best thing to do with it. If I should ignore it, if I should rage against the machine and just uninstall Facebook, if I should tell Zuckerberg to, you know, stick it. Um, I, I do enjoy the connections I make with people. I do enjoy the ideas. I do enjoy being with people who mm-hmm. I would never be able to be with um, as a white priest. These people don't have any other Christian leader in their life, period. Yeah. So yeah. I enjoy that, but yeah. I know there's a cost to it. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. You, I don't know if you guys have thoughts, meaning listeners, about yeah. social media and how you would love to hear. We we actually just installed on our website a new button. You can leave us voicemails, right? We no. haven't talked about this much, have we? Ben? No, we haven't. Not not much. But uh, is it is it on the site of every podcast that we post, or is it just, uh, on, no, the it's just on the main site. site? So if you go to gravityleadership.com slash podcast, just kind of our main site. It's got the feeds yeah. and the links to our show and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and stuff. There's a, a button there called um, send a voice send a voice message to Gravity Leadership, and you can just yeah. click the button and it sends uh, sends us a message. Your microphone turns on and you, it sends us an audio message. Yes, it's pretty fun. So if, it is fun. Yeah, yeah. You can you can uh, message us that way. I I would uh-huh. prefer to leave a voicemail than write an email. I write too many emails as it is. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Like, how are you sensing social yeah. media? How do you use it? What what have you uh-huh. learned? What are your do's and don'ts? Yep. And uh, yeah, if you have if you have agreement or uh, disagreement with anything we've shared here, totally. Yeah, or a new uh, a new thought that we haven't thought of uh, that yeah. might might be helpful for our leaders. Maybe we'll do a part two, or yeah. for our uh, for our listeners. So De- yeah, depending upon the uh, feedback we get. So, mm-hmm. awesome. All right. Well, this one uh, this one went longer than I uh, anticipated it would, but it was a good conversation. I feel like. We cut it short too. There's a couple of the things that I probably sensed I mm. wanted to chat about, but uh, you know, 50 minutes is a long time. But maybe part two is in the works. I also need to finish up my sermon for Sunday. Oh yeah, so I gotta go. <laughs> All right, man. I got work to do. Go, go finish that sermon. Church to pastor. All right. Uh, peace, friends. We will. Uh, yeah. We'll see you next time. See you, buddy. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join you'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.